This is TTELT, Teaching Tips for English Language Teachers. I'm Dr. Gina Rhodes. Let's get started. Before we start with this week's topic, I want to start by reminding you that right now we're collecting as many videos as we can. And we've still, we've already got a couple of great ones and we hope that we'll add yours to the mix because we really want to have these videos to help us with our fundraiser that's coming up next month. We're doing a fundraiser in July for the Rhodes Education Foundation, and we would love your help. We would love for you to record just a one-minute video telling us about how TTLT has helped you become a more independent teacher. And we would love for you to record that. We've actually created a Flipgrid, so you can record it right into that Flipgrid, and the link to the Flipgrid is in the notes. So please record that video and tell us how TTLT has made you a more independent teacher. Um, please just include your name, your country, and the level of English that you teach, and then just give us an answer about how you have used TTLT. You might want to talk about um, a specific podcast or a video that you watched, or you might talk about something you learned in one of our workshops, but tell us something that you've learned from TTLT that you've used with your students, and just give us a quick recap. Nothing strenuous, um, but we hope that you will use that Flipgrid link and uh, record that for us. Thank you so much. It'd be so helpful. This week on TTLT, we're talking about visual thinking strategies with Jennifer Gonzalez. I met Jennifer when I was the English language specialist in Djibouti and she was the English language fellow. And since then, we started working again on a project in Djibouti. And I was working with her on that project until I became the regional program officer and had to move off the project. And so now she's working on all by herself and she's doing amazing, of course. Um, and um, uh, Jen is doing amazing things and she has done amazing things throughout her career. And she's gonna talk to us today about visual thinking strategies. Let's get started. Hi, Jen, how's things going today? Hi, Gina, great, good to see you. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here today. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So um, my name's Jennifer Gonzalez and I am an educator who's very passionate about many things, I will say. Uh, I've been an artist. Uh, I believe in social justice practices and inclusive education. And I also believe in that there's not always one answer or solution to education problems. So I like to explore and see what fits in a local context. And it's really informed my approach to teaching and working with teachers. So that's just a, a little bit about me. Great. And um, yes, and you've been doing some amazing things with that approach. And let's talk about um, visual thinking strategies. Can you give us your definition of visual thinking strategies? Sure, I'm also gonna give you just a little bit of background about it too. So visual thinking strategies for a lot of people is an art curriculum that's used by museums. That's actually how I was introduced to it. Uh, I had a very good friend when I used to, in my former life as an arts educator, um, who was the director of education and interpretation at the Memphis Brooks Museum. 
And she uh, was really impactful in teaching me about visual thinking strategies. She and I actually went on and developed workshops about, about this and how to pair it with writing. Um, and she introduced it as a curriculum used by me museums to engage people with works of art. Um, digging a little deeper though, and looking at how the creators of this, and by the way, they're Abigail Hussein and Philip Yenowine are the two creators behind this. Um, on their websites, they really talk about this as either a facilitation method or a way to engage people with thinking and talking about visual imagery, expanding language, and working on critical thinking. So I look at it as kind of a whole of all of these pieces in that it is a facilitation tool. And I really use it to facilitate discussions that get a little bit deeper. They're a little bit more authentic. Uh, it's not just a canned phrase that we're using, but it's a way for us to try and apply all of the language that we have or know to communicating the ideas that I see in response to a visual image. That's great. And of course, we're going to have the, the link to that website um, in our notes. And um, I'd like to go on and ask you, you talked a little bit about this. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about why you decided to use BTS with your students? Sure. So for me, VTS was just a really simple way to be able to, um, one, investigate and incorporate art, which I love, into discussions and teaching. And it was a really quick, easy, simple methodology. It didn't require technology. It didn't require a lot of setup or prep. Um, all that I needed was an image. And the great thing is, is that just about anywhere I've been, in the world, images are available. I can find them in newspapers. I can find them in people's cell phones. I can find them, um, you know, in posters or calendars that I pick up in different places. Um, I actually, a wealth of visual imagery is all of those in old encyclopedias that are left around and people are going, well, what do I do with these? I pull it out. There's a wealth of images there. And it is really just three simple questions. Um, and so that made it that it was approachable. It's always applicable. I can change it depending on the topic that we're investigating and pull out an image that I think is going to allow them to use language that we've learned. Um, so this was really one of the reasons that I started using it. And then I just, going back to that authentic use of language to communicate, because that's really the whole purpose. Um, and having that visual and image, it allows people to have their own personal connection and their own expression. It's not um, an expected answer. It could be any answer um, based on how you look at the image. Great. Yeah. And so what are some ways that you've used it with your students in your classroom? Sure. So let me also explain really quickly that to do this, as I said, you all that you need is an image. Um, you show the students the image. Uh, if you have a projector, it can be projected. If you have multiple copies, it can be multiple copies passed around to students. And then all that you do is you ask them, what's going on in this picture? And that's really a key. It's not what do you see, 
in this picture. It's what's going on in this picture. You'll notice there's a difference there. If I say, what do you see? Then it's a very closed ended question. It's a listing of all of the different items that are in a picture. Maybe there's a horse, maybe there's flowers or something. But if I say what's going on in this picture, it's asking you to think a little bit more and critically look at it to say, is there something taking place here? Is there a story that's happening in this image? And it requires you to start telling that story so that you can then share your ideas. Um, the second question that comes about though is really great. And this is where the critical thinking gets into play. And that is, what makes you say that? So what makes you say that? The first question is, what's going on in this picture? The second question after they've started sharing is, what makes you say that? And it requires you to provide evidence or point to specific pieces in the picture that make you think this way or make you make this guess about what's taking place in the picture. And then the last one is, as there's always a lull in conversation, is you say, what more can you see? And so that it asks, it opens it up to somebody else to start speaking and contributing. So I've done this with students where I've just done straight VTS in this way, but then I've also done it where the picture becomes a prompt for writing. And I know we focus so much on the speaking side, but as we get further into academia, and professional areas, we also need to be able to write. And oftentimes our writing is very information-based and we have to support it with evidence. And so this is a perfect way to say, I'm looking for evidence and how will you support it? Um, just with that question, what makes you say that? So I've used it with writing. I've used it with both informational writing as well as narrative writing. And with narrative, writing will say, imagine where this picture takes place in the story. Is this the introduction or the beginning of the story arc? Is it in the middle where you're starting to build up to the action? Or is it at the end where you're concluding this is the final picture of a story piece? So that's another way to use it with the writing tool. Now, most recently though, I used it with some virtual discussion groups. So I was working as a virtual English language fellow with the Office of English Language Programs uh, with Ethiopia. And I actually had students from quite a few different countries, not just Ethiopia, they're with us. And each week I would use an image that I took from the New York Times. They have a learning section. It's great, you can subscribe to it. And each week they have a VTS image that they pull from their archives. And so there are these great photographs that involve some actions and a lot of them, there's some mystery to what's taking place there. And I would show this to my students and we'd have this discussion. None of us would really know what's happening because they don't reveal to you the headline or the article that goes along with it until later in the week. Um, and the feedback that I got to the students from the students was that this was such a great exercise for them to be able to look and think and have a discussion about something that they weren't necessarily prepared for, 
but they all felt confident in because that image gives them a lot of support and they can share their own ideas. It's not that there's a right or wrong answer to it. So that's just a couple of the ways that I've used it in my classrooms. That's great. And I'm really looking forward to some of the activities that we're gonna do with this in your workshop. I'm just really excited. But before we get to that, what challenges have you had when using BTS? I can imagine that, you, um, that you've had a few. <laughs> yes. So some of the challenges are um, th this question, what's going on in this picture, is not always a very familiar question for English language learners to begin with. Um, they might start out being much more comfortable with the what do you see in this picture, the just listing, especially if they're uh, a lower level English language learner. And so sometimes that's just where you have to start out is you have to say, all right, we're gonna list. And then I might give a little bit more prompting. Sometimes I'll say, if it's I'm working with adults um, or older, older students, I'll say, what is it, what would you tell the story of for this picture? If you're a journalist or you had to write a newspaper article about this picture, what would you be writing about? And so that little change in the question also helps them be able to bridge um, because maybe they just didn't understand completely when you say what's going on in this picture. They automatically go to a listing of what they're seeing instead. So that's probably one of the challenges. Uh, another challenge is, is that if you're using images that do not connect to the students. Uh, so sometimes we're using images that are culturally maybe inappropriate. So making sure that it's a culturally appropriate image is going to be important, that it has some sort of interest level to the age of the audience um, or some content interest to the age or, or the interest of that audience members is going to be important. Otherwise, they're, they're not going to want to engage as much. So it's really important to think about the images you're choosing. And I will say that you can also do this with things like graphs. And instead of saying what's going on in this picture, you can say what's going on in this graph, especially if you're pulling in STEM or STEAM related ideas. So working with science or technology, mathematics, that's another way to use this. Um, so there's really just kind of endless options. <laughs> Well, it sounds like I'm excited to try it with my students. Um, and uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add? So what I would add for this is that there are a lot of great resources online and you can go look at the VTS home. I think we're gonna put in that link so you can uh -huh. use it. There's some online trainings that are available, but I wouldn't wait to try and get a certificate or try and um, get additional training, I would just go out and try it yourself. Practice, pull up an image that maybe has something happening, some action taking place. I would start with something that is very concrete with an action first. Try it yourself and think about it. Say, hmm, what do I think is happening in this picture? What's going on in this picture in my mind? What makes me say that? And I think if you start practicing it yourself, then you'll feel more confident in leading discussions with others. 
in using this methodology. So, um, so I'd say try it. It's a quick and easy method. And you could even do this in pairs with your students. If you have phones in their classes, they can even just pull up a picture on their own phone and ask somebody else what's going on in this picture. And it, it can be fun to hear a story about their own image from somebody else's perspective. Yeah, so. and you said that the website, what's the website? And that is vtshome.org, vtshome.org. Okay, that's pretty easy to remember. And then I'll send a link to one that's not as easy to remember that has a great about 25 minute clip of Philip Yenowine uh, teaching this strategy to teachers in a museum setting. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. And I'm, like I said, I'm really excited about the workshop that we're gonna do on June 5th at noon New York time. So noon Eastern Standard Time, we're going to do this workshop and I think it's gonna be awesome. Thanks a lot, Jen. Looking forward to it, thank you. Okay, so Jen, what are some projects that you're working on? Well, as you know, Gina, the thing that has been consuming most of my time these days is actually work continuing the work that I've been doing with the Djiboutian Ministry of Education. You and I have worked together on that. We miss you with our project there uh, in developing their textbooks as they're expanding English into their elementary grades. So that's been a lot of fun. It's been um, a challenge to figure out how we can incorporate games and cooperative learning strategies into the textbook design so that it encourages uh, teachers to utilize these methods. So that's that's been a lot of fun. And I'm also very excited to be working with you um, as a board member for the Rhodes Education Foundation uh, and putting on these great, you know, professional development opportunities for teachers. I have to say, I personally, I love the podcast, but I also really love the opportunity when I can get on um, once a month for our teacher discussion. So I hope to see a lot more teachers there with our teacher discussion groups because we have so much to learn from each other as professionals in the field of teachers and education. I agree. Those discussions are really good. Um, you never know who's going to come and what, what topic they're going to want to discuss, but it's always useful. I always learn a lot from those discussions. So yes, the last Saturday of every month as our TTLT talks. Yes. Um, well, thanks a lot. And um, yes, I am uh, sorry that I had to leave the project, but I left it in good hands. You and the um, Djiboutians are writing an amazing textbook. So I'm glad that it's all coming together. So where can teachers find you, Jen? So the best way to reach me is through my email, jgonzalez dot elf at mm -hmm. gmail. So that's j-g-o-n-z-a-l-e-s dot e-l-f at gmail. Okay, well, thanks again, Jen, for everything. It's been great talking to you today, and I know I'll see you again soon, but thanks for being on TTLT. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Wow, she really has a lot of great ideas, doesn't she? I love that she focuses on the fact that you can find these images anywhere. And she, I love especially the idea of looking in 
encyclopedias and things that maybe we would have normally not even thought to look in. You can look in old magazines and you can, there's always a, a treasure trove of visuals almost anywhere. And you can even have your students just look on their phone if you don't have pictures handy. You can have them show a picture to a partner and their partner can describe what they see. So there's a, a lot of things we can do and we can use pictures with some action, something happening. So um, they can ask that question, what is going on in this picture? So it, they can tell those stories and really think critically about what's happening and why they think that's what's happening, what makes them think that. So um, these are some really great things to think about as teachers. And I also like that she emphasized that it's important to choose culturally appropriate pictures. So these are some things to really think about. Think about your students that you're working with and what things are culturally appropriate for them. And also she talked about things that would be interesting to them. So think about the age of your students, what they like, what they don't like, what country they're in, all of those things when you're choosing the images for your students. And of course, she talked to us about btshome.org. So I think it's important to check out that website so that you can see more about what Jen is doing. And of course, it's important to come to her workshop so you can try out some of these ideas. So Jen is doing a workshop on June 5th at noon New York time, uh, which is 9 a.m. for her in California. So join us on June 5th at noon, and um, we will be talking all about visual thinking strategies. We hope to see you there. And coming up this week, we have my workshops on engaging with Goose Chase. So Thursday, May 27th at 5.30 p.m. New York time, we're going to have my first workshop. And then I'll do the same workshop again as on Saturday, May 29th at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York time. So we're going to do the same workshop twice. So look at your schedule and see which time works the best for you. And on Saturday, June 12th, we're going to do a workshop called Authors in the Classroom. Alma and Isabel, who have both done work done episodes are going to do a workshop together. So hopefully you've already listened or watched both of their episodes. But if you even if you haven't, please join us for these workshops on Saturday, June 12th at 4 p.m. New York time. And Saturday is going to be a busy day here at TTLT because we have my workshop in the morning and then we have TTLT talks on May 29th at 5 p.m. New York time. So 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, join us and talk about the topics that matter most to you and your students. It's one of our favorite things, as Jen mentioned in the episode, she loves TTLT talks and I do too, because we get to hear from you about what's important to you and what challenges you're facing right now with your students. And we get to, all of us work together and discuss it and find solutions to your problems. And we had an excellent discussion recently on online assessment and how to assess our students when we're teaching online. 
it was a really cool discussion and we have lots of other topics that we're going to bring bringing to you this month and we will be talking about those topics as well as the topics that you bring to the discussion so please join us and just one last push for you to record those um, videos your um, video your short one minute video or how TTLT has helped you become a more independent teacher. And again, the link is in the in the notes to the Flipgrid. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.